Today's sermon is focusing on our epistle lesson for today from Hebrews chapter 2. I'm not going to read it again, but I invite you to keep your bulletin open to it to reference it through the sermon. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My dear brothers, my dear sisters, in Christ. Do you know the difference between guilt and shame? Brene Brown, a researcher, a professor, and a public speaker, explains it this way, that guilt is action-based, shame is identity-based. Now, what does that mean? Guilt says, I've done bad. Shame says, I am bad. You express guilt when you go up to the driver in the car in front of you and say it was you that rear-ended their car. You express shame when you look at yourself and say, you're a bad driver and there's no hope for you. That's the difference between guilt and shame. And Brene Brown says that guilt, a certain amount of guilt, is healthy for society. It's healthy for people to know what actions are good and what actions are wrong. But shame brings so many bad consequences. The feeling that I am bad leads people to addiction, criminal behavior, drug abuse, violence, and all sorts of bad things, depression and anxiety. Shame is not your friend. Shame is your enemy. And it's the fear of feeling ashamed that drives so much of what we do, isn't it? How many of us haven't had that classic nightmare where you're doing something that you're supposed to be doing, something that you're used to doing, like teaching a class or going to a meeting or going to work, and you look and you find that you are completely naked. Now, why is that so shocking and terrifying? Because that cuts at the heart of what we all fear. Fear, the fear of being exposed. The fear of being seen for what we really are and for people to reject us. This is a, you can call it the fear of rejection. You can call it the fear of being ashamed or shame. You can call it the fear of death because shame is a kind of death. The feeling of shame that we all know so well is kind of like the death of your self-worth, isn't it? The death of your value in your eyes or in the eyes of someone else. And we would give anything to avoid feeling like that again for the rest of our lives. And the fear of feeling like that drives us into so many other things, so many other bad things. Just like Brene Brown said, the fear of shame drives us into addiction and depression, etc. The fear of being embarrassed, the fear of feeling that death of self drives us so many of our behaviors. That's why I feel so afraid to talk about my faith with people, Right? Because I'm afraid that to bring up what I actually believe about how the universe was created and how I believe we can all go to heaven, that somebody will laugh at me and embarrass me or reject me and they won't want to be my friend anymore. It sounds juvenile, but isn't that the truth? Fear of being ashamed drives so much of what I do. 
But you don't have to just feel shame for yourself, right? You can feel ashamed of someone else. Take the proverbial black sheep of the family, right? The person who, for some reason or another, made some decision that the parents didn't agree to or didn't respect. They could have dropped out of high school or they could have just gone to the wrong college, whatever it was. And for the rest of their lives, it seems like they're not on the same level as their siblings, right? They're not held to the same, or they didn't live up to the same standard as the rest of the brothers and sisters. And so maybe this black sheep feeling goes so far as a family dinner, such as Thanksgiving, their seat is empty because they weren't invited. Because if the black sheep of the family showed up, it would ruin the experience for everyone. And the black sheep of the family has brothers and sisters that really, really wish that they didn't have to claim that person as their brother or their sister. They feel ashamed of them. Maybe you know what that feels like. But the fact is, brothers and sisters, that we all are, we were, the black sheep of God's family. The problem is that it's our own fault. We made the decision to separate from God. See, the weak link in our relationship with God is not God, it's us. God is holy and righteous and glorious and just and perfect. We are the opposite of all of those things. And we were the ones who made the decision to separate from him. Like the prodigal son in Jesus' parable. Have you heard it? Who walks up to his dad and chooses separation. Who takes his dad's money and runs, literally, as far away from his dad as possible to go live how he wants. That's us, brothers and sisters. You see, God, Jesus, has every reason to be ashamed of us. But he isn't. That's the miracle of our lesson from Hebrews today. Jesus is not ashamed of you. It's not that he doesn't know what you've done. It's not that he's not familiar with your sins. He's God. He knows everything. He knows everything about you. He knows you better than you do. And yet he's still not ashamed of you. If Jesus were ashamed of you, wouldn't he turn and run as far away from you as possible? Wouldn't he leave you to your own devices? Instead, what do we see him do? He takes on human flesh He is born. He lives among us. He lives the human life. Jesus gets as close to you as possible. If Jesus were ashamed of you, wouldn't he just be happy to let you live out the consequences of your own sin, your own shame, your own death, to to live out what you fear the most? Instead, what does he do? He suffers those consequences for you. He dies in your place. He suffers shame as he hangs naked from a cross for you. If Jesus were ashamed of you, wouldn't he be up in heaven gossiping with God the Father about you? Look at what they've done now. Look at the way they're living now. Instead, what does he do? He makes atonement for you. He intercedes for you before God the Father. He takes your case before him He makes things right again between you and the Father. 
That's your Jesus. Ashamed of you? Not in the slightest. You're in the courtroom. You're ready to hear your verdict and your sentencing. All you can do is just stare down at your hands because you feel so ashamed of what you've done. But you look up and you see nobody. There is no judge, no prosecution, no jury. Just you. Who will deliver the sentence? Will Jesus? No. He loves you. So will you? Jesus is not ashamed of you, brothers and sisters. So should you be ashamed of you? But pastor, you might say, you don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the sins that I've committed. And that's true, I don't. I would like to. I'm here to help you. But Jesus does. But pastor, you don't know the struggles, the temptations that I face every single day, the battles that I'm fighting. And you're right, I don't. I would like to. I'm here to help you. But Jesus knows. But pastor, you don't know the sufferings that are weighing me down, the burdens on my shoulders, what I have to do. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Well, I can tell you that. What's going to happen to you is Jesus is going to love you just like he loves you right now. Jesus is going to forgive you just like he forgives you right now. Jesus is going to plead your case before the Father just like he's doing right now. Jesus is your Savior Sin, death, and the devil come up to Jesus and they say, Seriously? You love him? You love her? After all they've done to you, after all they've sinned against you, you will call them your brother or your sister? Are you serious, Jesus? Aren't you ashamed of them? Jesus' reply is, Not in the least. Now go away. Leave them alone, and don't you lay a finger on my brother, my sister. Jesus ashamed of you? Never. So don't be ashamed of him. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus is interested in a lot more than just, say, your behavior. Jesus is interested in your heart. Jesus will not be content just being an important part of your life. Jesus wants to be your life. Jesus doesn't want you to see him as a guy who kind of swoops in and helps you every once in a while when you really need it. Jesus wants you to see him as he is, your brother, who doesn't just help every once in a while. He is with you every second, every hour of every day. He is with you through it all. So if he allows suffering, temptation, trial to linger longer than you want it to, see what he's doing. See the lesson he's teaching you, the work he's doing on you. He is bringing you into God's glory. He is teaching you how to lean on him, your brother. How to see Jesus as your strength. Jesus as 
your advocate, your great high priest who pleads your case before the Father. Because Jesus will not stop until you are at in God's glory, until you are God's glory. And he started this process when he lived and died for you. It continues on even now through your sufferings. And it's going to close one day when he brings you into God's glory in heaven. See, you are no longer the black sheep of the family. You walk up to the door of God's house. Sin and Satan and death are outside. They want to get you. They want to drag you down. They want you to suffer. But Jesus lets you in. He shuts the door behind you and he locks it. He tells sin and Satan and death to just go away. Then he leads you to the table. He's got a place set out just for you. He sits you down and your eyes meet Jesus. And he's smiling. He says, Hey brother. Hey sister. I am so glad that you're here. Amen. Would you please?